friends, this is Tom Pandich. I'm here, the host of the Shonen Dump podcast, and with me tonight is... Ruth Gwaltney. Uh I'm from the internet. From the internet, very good. Um, so this may be the first episode, this may not be the first episode, I'm not 100% sure on how these are coming out yet. Um, if you're hearing it, you'll probably notice that there are like three or four other episodes out at the moment based on when you're hearing this. So that's my little joke that I wanted to start everybody with a backlog. Um, the format of the show is that we're going to be discussing a bad anime um, or an anime that's, you know, questionable. There are no bad anime. There are bad anime. But yeah, I don't know. There are no bad anime. Anime is a treasure. This anime we're talking about tonight is a treasure as well. We are talking about Senran Kagura, Ninja Flash. But before we get into that, I want to introduce um, the co-host segment, where every episode the co-host will bring a topic to the table, we'll talk about that topic for a little bit, and then we'll get into the review proper. All right, so Ruth, what do you want to talk about tonight? Um, so tonight I have, uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about, and then I finished Nier Automata. So I need to talk about this because nobody else will with me and it's very sad so thank you for listening (laughs) that is fine um i bought near automata um i've installed near automata um i have not played near automata you should though i know okay why have you i've been busy with all of the senran kagura games been playing some peach beach splash some estella's versus there are games for this this is based on a video game Oh, okay. Well, that actually explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into it later. So tell me about Nier. Um, I've, okay. There will be spoilers for Nier. Um, I told Ruth to keep it relatively um, spoiler-free. But if you are 100% uh, not into spoilers, you probably should have played the game by now because, you know, everybody's done their Game of the Year podcast and talked about Nier. And Anime News Network did their Nier cast, and Fast Karate did their Nier cast, and everybody's talked about Nier at this point. It deserves it, too. Um, so, but I think one of my favorite things about this game is um, it's a return to form for Platinum Games, which makes some of my favorite games ever, but they also make a lot of licensed garbage. Okay. Uh, TMNT, I'm looking at you. Yeah, that TMNT game was not good. I really wanted it to be good, too. I wanted Legend of Korra to be really good, and that was also garbage. Yeah, yeah, okay. I've heard that, like, gameplay-wise, Nier is fine, but it's really the Yoko Taro story and everything about that that really makes it something that you need to play. Yeah, the, the story, um... The story has this thing where it makes you somehow slowly without even realizing it fall in love with the characters and then it proceeds to tear the world around them down and make you cry repeatedly um because horrible horrible things happen always and (laughs) okay (laughs) um before we get any further how much familiarity we'll do this two ways how much familiarity do you have with the Nierverse? Because I know it's connected to Guard somehow. I know that there was a PS3 Nier game. And I it, hear that you don't need to play any of those to get the Nier experience. 
that is true, because I actually have not played Drakengard. I have not played any of the Nier games at all. Um, I might have played the PS3 Nier demo when it came out, but the, as far as that goes, yeah, I've never... There's, like, one reference that I know of to that game. But you don't miss out on anything, not knowing it. It's at, like, at least ten, if not more thousand years in the future okay. to that game. Yeah. And it, it's it's definitely same universe, but it's definitely its own mythology and world. And as, as far as the gameplay, uh, some people have called it shallow. It's very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very fluid. Your melee and ranged attacks, because your ranged attacks come from your pod, so they work independently of each other. Okay, you gotta explain this a little bit better. They come from your pod. So okay. You, okay. So, each of the androids you play as, and you play as three throughout the game, have a, um, basically an AI flying pod with them that does area scans and holds banks of information, communicates with other pods, um, and also our weapon platforms as well. You start out with one that's just a Gatling gun, low power, but very fast, uh, and it comes with a laser, and you can pick up other pods and also uh, get new abilities for them. Not all of them are as useful as the others. Um, the hammer one is extraordinarily fun because it'll send everybody flying when it, you hit them with it. But this thing floats around with you, and it, it's they're their own. They have their own personalities, and they chat a lot, and are big features of the story as well. But the ability to mix and match there, as well as with your actual combos, really makes the gameplay a lot more uh, fluid, interesting. I, I'm not really sure what word I'm looking for right now, to be honest. The main crux of the combat is the dodge. Because it does the, uh, not witch time from Bayonetta, okay. but it does something similar because you can do a counterattack out okay, of the dodge. Okay, so you dodge out of the counterattack. Uh, a lot of, I think Revengeance did that too. I'm not entirely lo- sure. It's a, It's become a trope of the genre, and it's a really good one, I think. Because it rewards you for, uh actually being halfway decent at the game or spamming I believe what they say is it rewards you for skillful play. I yes, but I have also found that if you don't want to attack at all, you can actually just mash the button <laughs> and you can dodge out of most things. Okay. Yeah, I've heard but, that um difficulty wise, this is a pretty easy game as long as you keep it on the lower difficulty settings. I played it on normal and it was a fairly easy time. If you really do not like fighting games at all, this game has an easy mode, which gives you five or so um, chips only available, and I'll explain chips in a second, but that are only available in easy. And what those chips do is they automatically fight, automatically dodge, automatically shoot, automatically target, and I forget the fifth one, but it's the entire combat can be automated in okay. the easiest setting. Yeah, Bayonetta, um, I think, had a one-handed mode that they marketed as a one-handed mode for whatever reason, because, you know, Japan is classy. 
I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, but my favorite speedrunner uh, for Nier uh, plays the game one-handed. Okay. Yeah, he showed up at um, uh, Awesome Games Done Quick the last year, or some games done quick, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And that's on YouTube, so I would definitely recommend people go and check out that run. It's okay. only through the first uh, of the routes, because there are three routes to the game. Mm-hmm. One for each of the characters. Uh, but it is it is a fun thing to watch. Okay. Um, I've heard that there are a bunch of ridiculous endings in this game outside <laughs> of the regular game. That, like, if there you is... die on the first boss, it plays the credits super fast. <laughs> it's true. Uh, you actually... Um, there are 26 endings, one for each of each letter of the alphabet. And... Um, every time you get one of them, it will actually uh, tag it onto your save file so uh-huh. that you can see which ones you've gotten. I've gotten a chunk of them, but I really spent most of my time pushing through the main story, which is the first, like, spoiler-ish five endings. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It makes sense with your lives. Um, so the game takes about eight hours to get through for the first ending and then less time for the other endings? Um, the, yeah... There are a lot of shared uh, quests, so your second playthrough uh, is basically the first playthrough, again, from the other character's perspective, adds a lot of context, um, and an entirely new mechanic, because this, what was it, Yokotaro has decided that let's just hold an entire mechanic uh, outside of the first playthrough of the mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. I've heard that at the end of the first playthrough, the game basically says, you beat the game, now you should really play it again to get the rest of the story. Yeah, and the rest of the story is uh, where everything just gets five shades darker, and then you have the third playthrough, and everything just goes straight to black. It's the game gets so dark. It's okay. amazing. And, like I said, I, I've heard a lot of good things about Nier. Um, I just haven't had the time to start it. I mean, there's a million other games that came out this year, and it's just one of those things that fell through the cracks. And I thought I would get to it all over my vacation, but it didn't happen. So I don't know when I'm going to get to it, but I'll get to it eventually. Get like three hours set into the game. If you can get, like, three hours into the game, the game should just pull you into it from there. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I have a lot of visual novels to play right now, you know. Because (laughs) most of my time is spent playing visual novels and gotcha games and being bad at fighting games and stuff like that. So I don't know if I have time for real games. Uh, As for for the uh, two major story games that I've fallen in love with, Near Automata and uh, Persona Five. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I finished Near Automata before I finished Persona because I, it just, the story just pulls me so much harder than Persona's does, and Persona is an amazing story and an amazing game as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been such a good year for Japanese games. You had Near, you had Persona Five, uh, you had Yakuza Zero released in the West, you had Kiwami released in the West. Just Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, all sorts of really, really good games that are just 
super time consuming. I don't have enough time to play video games anymore. <laughs> well, maybe tone it back on the visual novels. I don't the anime actually will be okay. <laughs> I don't actually play visual novels. I'm kidding. I just I know. I just have visual novels for some reason. I don't know. I I was not aware visual novels just accumulated. It's an odd thing in my I, experience. I mean. <laughs> The Humble Bundle is a hell of a thing. You just end up with some <laughs> stuff sometimes. I mean, man. I've got, like, three copies of Tokidoki Neko Panic or some bullshit like that. I don't even know what these things are called. I should pull up my Steam list at some point. But anyways, go on about Nier. Is there any other points you want to make about it before we get started with the actual recording? Without going to spoiler territory, that just about covers it. Well, feel free to spoil some things that you liked. Okay, so... We gave uh, a spoiler warning. So, spoiler warnings again. If you haven't played Nier and you're interested in playing it, you should get on that. Yeah, so I knew going... I knew the story structure going into the game. I knew that you played through the first arc twice, with once with the 2B and once with 9S. Um, which one's then, which? 9S is the cute robot? Girl okay. robot? 2B is the cute girl robot. Okay. She's an absolute badass. She's the one that wields the two weapons. 9S is the observer, who um, is basically your buddy throughout the first playthrough, as you, when you're you play as 2B. Um, 9S's route introduces the bullet hell hacking mode. Which adds an entire new level to everything because he is, his ability to hack like bosses and things tells you more about the mm-hmm. what was actually going on with them, and none of it is ever happy. And that's um, where all the sad robot stuff comes in, from my understanding. That's where all the sad robot stuff really starts to show. Uh, you get sad androids a lot in the first arc. Um, the sad machines come in the second arc, and then the sad everybody is the third arc, which starts with 2B being run through by A2, which is the third playable character. Okay. So A2 kills off 2B right at the beginning of that arc, because 2B gets gets a virus and is trying to not pass it on to any of the other remaining androids. 9S doesn't know this. 9S just sees 2B with a sword through her gut, mm-hmm. uh, blames A2, and then proceeds to go absolutely mental mm-hmm. from there. A mental breakdown portrayed quite that well in a very long time. This is, it is one of the most interesting developments of a character that I really both loved and hated to see it happen to him, because it was just done well. Okay. Um, and also, the other big twist is that at the end of the game, through one of the endings, like ending E, is it? Um, yeah. That you're given the option to delete your game. I, I'm just going to go into the major spoiler here. Uh, none of the endings are happy. Well, at least this ending B and ending C and ending D are not happy. Bad things happen. So it the remaining characters are the two pods, and they hold a conversation right before the... Um, well, sort of like halfway through the credits, where they are dissatisfied with the, with the result. And so they decide, you know, to to fight to change the outcome. 
and you end up in a bullet hell segment where you fight the entirety of the very, very long credits. In normal difficulty and above, once you get to a certain point and die too many times, you are offered rescue from another player. Mm-hmm. And you will, at that point, you get a massive boost and a bunch of other, like, player icons come flying in and surround you. And it's it's an amazing and it's a glorious time. And that ending theme is one of the best pieces of music I've heard this, uh, last all of last year. But at the end of all of that, you it gives you the opportunity to sacrifice your save file to give that help to somebody else. So what I've decided to do is not to play through any of the endings again until I'm completely done with the save file. And then, you know, gotten all 26 endings, just have completed it, mm-hmm. and run through and sacrifice it and send it out into the wild. Because, I don't know, that gives me this warm sense of completion. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Honestly, the way I go through games, I would probably just say okay, this is where I'm at at the end of this game, and I'm going to just be good and move on from it, because I don't do a whole lot of extra playthroughs or side quests or stuff like that. And, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. It depends, really. But, um, I mean, yeah. It does, no matter what, you know, even for people who play like you, like, that is a very satisfying way to go out on a game. Like, if, if you're done with it and you feel done with it, you get to be done with it. And your final act of being done with it doesn't feel like you left it unfinished. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I will say, it definitely uh, sounds like a definitive end. And oh, you, don't, so. you don't get that uh, too often with a lot of games. The games, a lot of, I know this isn't like an open world game, but a lot of open world games is here like, well, you finished it and now do all of the other stuff. Get the last of the collectibles. Or, and it's like, for example, I beat Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I saw credits in Super Mario Odyssey. And I'm just not, like, raring to go in and get the other 700 moons that I could get. Well, and Horizon Zero Dawn doesn't even have a, an after-the-ending thing. You go through, you get the final credits, and then it rewinds your save back to, the, um, back to before the final boss. Yeah, same thing with uh, Breath of the Wild which is another game that I need to put a little more time into that I just sort of fell off of. I will say, you said you don't really do side quests. The side quests in Nier have so much story and personality Uh to them. They're amazing, and I would highly recommend you doing any of them that catch your interest. Okay, Um, I'll definitely look into it. And, and I and say that, this, and I probably won't. It'll be another year before I even think about playing near. So all of the spoilers that you've told me <laughs> will just fly out of my head. That's okay. It's here for posterity. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Ruth, in your opinion, near thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, every I would turn the rest of my fingers into thumbs to give more thumbs up. Okay. That's really creepy, but. So eh. you've. Heard it here first from the Shonen Dump podcast that Near Automata is a thumbs up game, the definitive <laughs> podcast for gaming. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about some more video games after the break, so stay tuned. <laughs> Get 
so tonight we're talking about Senran Kagura Ninja Flash. How familiar were you with this? Uh, like, how did you discover this? Because I knew about this for quite some time before you suggested we tackle it on the podcast. So I was looking through fan service anime on Funimation, uh-huh. and its name came up. So okay. I watched the first, like, episode and a half. Yep. Um, and then realized that it was just bad. Uh, and stopped watching it until you came saying, hey, recommend a big-titted anime. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, all right, Senran Kagura has big titties. Let's let's go do that. There are and, several uh, big titties in Senran Kagura. <laughs> several. There might be a couple, maybe. Yes. Only on every single one of the char- the female characters. Okay. So, Senran <laughs> um, Kagura um, started out as a 3DS video game. Spawned several sequels. Some on the 3DS, some on the Vita couple PS4 games, and then there's a Switch game in development. This anime, um, from my understanding, really adapts the first video game, sort of? Kind of? I mean, I haven't played the first video game, so I'm going with what these adaptations usually are. I played the second one, and that seems to be like an in-media res type of thing. But so how are how are those games? Oh, like, they're are they any fucking good? terrible. <laughs> I mean, they're so goddamn awful. They're pieces of shit. I, I I play a lot of bad video games. I watch a lot of bad anime. I play a lot of bad video games. So you'll do that, but you haven't touched. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I make I make poor decisions with my life. Make very poor decisions. All right, so let's get into Senran Kagura. Um, this is by Artland. Are you familiar with Artland at all? Um, no, actually. They are related to Marvelous Entertainment, who develops all the video games. Um, Artland has been involved in some bad stuff. They've been when they were still co-producing things, they were involved in some good stuff like Orgus. Megazone 2, 3, Part 1, Macross, all sorts of good stuff. And then after they spun off, they did such things as Hitman Reborn and Gunslinger Girl, Il Tetrino, or however the fuck you say that. That's the way I've been saying it. Some terrible, terrible stuff. And um, they have made some really awful things. So let me read the back of the box of the Senran Kakura. Uh, Blu-ray to you from the creators of Ikitosen and Phrasing, two very, very good shows that we will talk about on this um, podcast at some point. From the dynamic duo that brought you Ikitosen comes a revealing tale of naughty ninjas sucking down sushi rolls and bursting up the competition. Let me stop right there for a second. I watch a lot of fan service anime. Yeah. I watch, like... I watch so much fan service anime, and honestly, this came out in March 2013. And I didn't realize it was that recent. I would say it's a little older than what you would expect. And the thing is, is that TV anime has gotten so much looter than what Senran Kagura is putting out there. I mean, there are girls groping each other's breasts, and there is swimsuits and people having clothing explode off but i mean there's no actual nudity in it 
I must say, I have not missed the girls just randomly molesting each other trope when it found its grave a couple years back. But it's very, very chaste for yeah, a fan service yeah. anime. I mean, until you get to the sushi rolls, then it's like well, way in your face. What are those? Are like fumako rolls or something like yeah. that? Okay. So I've never seen these before, but they are um, basically sushi rolls as you think of them um, before they're cut into little smaller rolls. So they're basically just a long thing sushi rolls. And there are like six or seven episodes where these girls are just chomping down on those sushi rolls. And I mean, as far as like dick-based food goes, I guess you could say it's fine. I mean, okay, so it's there's long. Nothing, there's long. nothing sexual about it, though. Okay, but With... they're long, and they're black, and they're cylindrical, and the show finds every opportunity it possibly can to interrupt one of the girls while they're eating one, mm-hmm. so that they just sit there w- and, like, talking with this roll in their mouth, because they won't even, like move them away from their face to have a conversation. That's very true, but they're, like, chomping down on it. They're doing non-sexual things with it. It's not like they're licking these rolls or doing anything like that. I mean, again, it's like... It's a very chaste idea of fan service. And That's I, fair. I mean, I guess I'm just too lewd for the show. I, it didn't affect me in any way through the fan service. And, I mean, there are shows out there that or heavy fan service shows that, you know. I mean, okay, I, I, I will admit, that was pretty much the only thing that really got me fan service wise. I mean, I've put up with Aramanga Sensei. Ah, uh, Sensei. Okay, well, that's another so, future episode. <laughs> it deserves to be. And most of the, of the fan service moments were introduced via the announcer character. Mm-hmm. There Which? is a very proactive announcer in this anime. You know what? Um, let me stop there for a second. We haven't actually introduced what this anime is about. Five ninja girls go to ninja high school, which is a secret ninja high school, and they're confronted by evil ninjas who also go to evil ninja high school. They're two separate high schools. There's good ninja high school and there's evil ninja high school. And they fight for whatever goddamn reason, and shit happens, and it's over... And yeah, all right, great, fantastic. The thing about the show is it's bad, but it's not like unbelievably bad. It's not like something that you would write home about how awful the show is. It's just, it's very... Bland. It's bland. It just, it doesn't really offer anything. It really doesn't. It really shows... And now that I now that I know it comes from a video game, I understand why the cast of characters was so heavily restricted. Because the evil ninja have this compound with like hundreds of ninja in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you see so, them all in the background at the end. And yet yeah. the only people throughout aside from the very intro thing with a main character that they fight in the entire series are these their five counterparts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who who outclass them so hard at the beginning of the show and really all throughout the show that it's 
it, it just didn't make any sense to me. But now that I know it's just a restricted cast of characters, like that makes a lot more sense. Well, the thing is, is that the evil ninja high school... Alright, so you've got good ninja high school and evil ninja high school. Good ninja high school is very restricted to... You have to have ninja bloodline and, you know... Like the main character, Asuka... Her great-grandfather or grandfather is the super-duper best ninja to ever ninja in ninjutsu. And she has, like, she's a legacy case. All of the good ninjas are, like, legacy cases. They're born into it. They're talented. They have family, yada, yada, whatever. Whereas the bad ninjas are much more, like, these hundreds of ninjas have been recruited to be bad ninjas. And the bad ninjas... The best bad ninjas work their way up through the ninja ranks. By straight up killing each other, by the way. Yeah, it's a meritocracy. Whereas, like, good ninja is just sort of like, I don't know. You get into good ninja school with recommendations, but you get into bad ninja school with your bad ninja SAT scores, I guess. Well, it's ninja privilege versus the the underclass, the lower classes. Yeah. So the, the proletariat ninjas. Yes, yeah, the proletariat ninja. That's a good way of putting it. Okay, um, do you want to talk about any ninjas in particular? Okay, so who's your favorite ninja? Um, okay, so there's this one girl um, named Katsurahi, who is blonde-haired girl. Um, her shirt is open the entire time. She has a necktie between her breasts. And she's the character who goes around groping other girls for whatever reason. So, I mean, if I have a spirit animal in the <laughs> show, it's her. Okay, that makes sense. But I, I just don't relate with any of these characters. Oh, that... I relate with the sushi rolls. <laughs> None of the characters are relatable whatsoever. Oh, no. All of these characters are shitty. This is just a... It's so shitty. I like the green-haired, snake-looking evil ninja. I forget her name. Uh, She's, the one with the She's actually the one that's the uh, the opposite, the, the sort of rival character to your fave. Let's see if I can find her. I'm on Wikipedia. Hikage is Hika name. Yeah, Hikage. And she is a wolf of the battlefield. She's always been surviving and doing all sorts of shit, which... Honestly, if you're going to be, I mean, let's bring logic into it for a second. These girls are all like 16, 17 at most. Yeah. But if you're really recruiting 10-year-old girls to be on the battlefield for you, I mean, you got like a shitty war going on. I mean, yes, 100%. I mean, one of, you know, this was the show opens with one of these high school girls going and a you know, in the middle of her, like, a mission to retrieve a scroll, and, like, against a, a bunch of adult ninja who she uh, evades and handles pretty easily, which is kind of ridiculous, considering I mean, the power gaps in this show make no sense. Yeah, the yeah. The adults are weak. There's the only really, there's only really one good, competent, good ninja. And there are, like, three or four competent bad ninjas. But at any given point, the good ninjas can explode all of their clothing off to fight with their life on the line or some bullshit like it, that. So they have 
powers to fight on an equal level with the other bad ninjas who are better than all the good ninjas. Which is ridiculous. I, I, and back to, uh, what was her name? Hikage? Um, Hikage, the reason yes. she's my favorite, besides the fact that her visual look is just far more interesting than any other character design in the show, is the fact that she gives no fucks towards anybody else and is the first one to go, you know what, I should just kill you. I don't know why our orders are not to kill you. I should just kill you. I'm going to kill you now. Which is the thing I was sitting there the entire show going, why are you not killing the good ninjas? He's just ninjas. Yeah, there's a lot of... Well, okay, so let me try and explain this. And honestly, this is not going to go well because I'm a little drunk <laughs> at this point. But, alright. So, at the time, the good ninjas, like, I don't know, ten years ago, there was a character who was being trained up to be a super ninja. And she gets into some type of problem where she gets killed on a mission, except she doesn't get killed. She turns into a bad ninja and becomes, like... Headmistress? The head of the... Yeah, the headmistress of the bad ninja school. So she trains all of the bad ninjas. And she keeps sending the bad ninjas after the good ninjas to strengthen the good ninjas' ability at fighting and in combat. Basically using her forces to train her opponent's forces. Um, at the end, the game doesn't make any sense. Whatsoever. No, no, none of this makes any sense whatsoever. The entire point is because you need the inheritors of the super secret ninja art for both the good and bad sides to something? Do they need to fight? Do yeah, they need to yeah. stand in the same place? Like, I don't even understand it. Well, there's ninja secret scrolls, and then there is the super secret ninja scroll, the yin and the yang of ninja scrolls. And the bad ninjas have a super secret ninja scroll, and the good ninjas have a super secret ninja scroll. And the bad ninjas take the good ninjas super secret ninja scroll for whatever reason. Despite the despite the research going, that's not how this works. Because they're not even just we both have one and we need the two of them together. It's they're specifically for each side. As if the good and evil ninja are ordained by ninja art itself? Yeah, yeah. The good ninjas can only use the good ninja scroll. The bad ninjas can only use bad ninja scroll. And uh, so they steal them for reasons. And then there's a guy who's like trying to get ahead in the ninja world or some <laughs> bullshit like that. He, um... Who gets defeated when the good ninjas and the bad ninjas come together and team up at the end. Yeah, which is, you know, exactly what these characters, which have been fighting for 12 episodes and nearly killing each other, would do. That makes sense. Yeah, no. Totally cool. I mean, there's just so much... There are other ninja mediums out there for you to get your ninja. Like Ninja Scroll, for example. Everybody loves Ninja Scroll. There are ninjas in Ninja Scroll, and... The ninjas in Ninja Scroll could take down these titty ninjas any day of the week. Like, B-Guy could take down most <laughs> of the ninjas in Senran Kagura. Because these ninjas just, they just suck so much. B I mean, can we talk about some of the shitty ninjas for a second? Let's do it. 
Let's talk shit in. All right. So, Hibari. Hibari is a first-year ninja. She's the one in the pink track suit. Oh, and the most useless she, girl. Mo, mo she, ninja. she is Moe Ninja. That was my name for her the entire show. Yeah, she is so fucking useless. She gets captured, pretends to join the enemy, enemy side, tries to steal the good ninja scroll back, but gets captured again. And it's just like, she has no ninja powers whatsoever. She can summon... A fucking stupid rabbit every once in a while to save her. But she has no combat ability. She Like that rap You could say like the other good ninjas are like potent at fighting or you know, have a cool look or have a cool sword or some cool technique they can do. But this chick just sucks. She's mowing ninjas, she can't do anything. She literally has a friend who protects her and takes care of everything, and who's always pulling double duty when, like, the good ninjas team off and fight the bad ninjas. Yeah, you, I... Patch Girl. Patch Girl, um, yeah. That, yeah. Good Guy Eye Patch Girl. Good Guy Eye Patch Girl always defeats Bad Guy Eye Patch Girl. I, um, I, I, I will say, after doing a really good job of keeping of bad guy eye patch girl keeping the eye patch on for the entire show there's one moment where she gets knocked over um, mm-hmm. because of like I, I don't know what caused it but it was like an earthquake sized shudder so she falls over the eye patch slips and her eye is just perfectly fine perfectly yeah yeah there, there are two characters in here who wear eye patches there's a good eye patch girl and there's a bad eye patch girl and as far as we know, both of their eyes are fine. They're just wearing it uh, to do some chuny bullshit or something. But yeah, um, Senran Kagura, I mean, it's bad, but it's not like even close to the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, I, I think really the, the worst thing you could say about Senran Kagura is, is that it is ultimately just forgettable. It's so forgettable. It doesn't leave an impression. It's just sort of a thing that makes you go, huh? And you forget about it. Like, I watched the entire show in one day on Thursday, and I've already forgotten about 85% of what's happened. It is... I mean... Recording this on a Tuesday. (laughs) I want to know how much time that's been. As a fan service show, it's not particularly good with the fan service. As an action show, the action is shitty in this show. Oh, it's garbage. As a ninja show, it's really bad as ninja. Yeah. I mean, it's a mediocre video game adaptation, I guess. There are a lot of terrible video game anime that we will cover on this podcast, but it's just, it's not good. It's not terrible, but it's not good. And honestly, if you're going to watch something bad, you should watch something that's much worse than this. Yeah. It's, it's just... It has no heart. And I mean... This is the very example of something that's completely half-assed. Yeah. Sunrun Kagura is not, like... There's nothing to take home about this show. It's not good. But it's not even that bad. I mean, it's just disappointing. Yeah, and really, I, I, I thought it was going to be a good pick 
the the fact that the announcer disappears for like half of the show and the that's when the show improves just enough to be forgettable because that uh, the announcer the narration he brings the show down every single time he opens his mouth I mean, I gotta disagree with you there, because if there's one thing I like in a bad show, it's a hard sell announcer. And this announcer brings in so much bullshit that could not be explained visually by the show, because it's a very, very incompetent show. But this hard sell announcer brings in, like, oh, they disappeared and used their powers, like... Whenever they go into ninja overdrive mode, all of their clothing explodes off. But that's okay. When they switch into shinobi mode, um, they get new ninja outfits. Uh, Did you notice the narration lied? Because during the first transformation sequence... Oh, by the way, all of these characters, when they go into ninja mode, transform into battle outfits. Which they select themselves, even though their intended purpose is to help them fight. None of these outfits are practical. No, no, of course not. But but the the narrator goes, the purpose of this, you know, as well as to sh- give us a good glimpse of the good, is to help power them up. Did the clothes help them? Because yeah. they also power up when they remove the clothes again. So I don't understand. Is this a kill-a-kill scenario where less of the power clothing is better? Well, from my understanding, um, this is how it works. They can access more of their shinobi pa- Okay, here's how it works in the game. Okay. You're in your usual schoolgirl outfit when you're fighting. Mm-hmm. And you can enter into shinobi mode, which allows you to perform your special ninja arts when you're in shinobi mode. So if they're taking it from the game, they don't have access to their full ninja powers unless they're in their ninja clothing, which I guess makes sense. Yeah. Sort of. Okay. Okay, I mean, okay, I can, but, I can buy that. But I don't remember there being, like, an overdrive mode in the game where all of their clothing explodes off, except for their swimsuits. Which, again, doesn't make any sense. I mean, if they can ninja conjure clothing, wouldn't you just ninja conjure a swimsuit or brawn panty set underneath anyways? Okay, so they 100% address this by not addressing it at all. That doesn't make any sense, what you just said. What you said was something a crazy person would say. (laughs) But it's also exactly what they did, because when they go to the beach, they're all wearing completely different swimsuits, and they try to explain it away with some bullshit that doesn't make any sense. When they go to the beach, they say they have training swimsuits, and they have swimsuits for showing off. Now, the swimsuits for showing off doesn't make a whole lot of sense, because they're on a special ninja training island where they're the only five people there. I, I think it might all but, secretly just be for the booby-grabbing girl. I mean, I mean, I'm okay with doing things for the booby-grabbing girl. She is... <laughs> I mean, she's... There are other things that I appreciate about the show, but there's nothing really, like, that can latch on to the show. There's nobody that I'm... Even... There's one gag... That could be funny in that the good ninja teacher comes in with a smoke bomb every time. And everybody is coughing at his smoke bomb every time he enters into the scene. But even that isn't that funny. I mean... They, they, can't, they very, 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 very rarely hit the mark on that joke. 
which is upsetting because with a decent sense of like comedic timing, which the show doesn't have, a, that joke could be really kind of inventive way of getting the boss into into the the room. It's not it's not a trick I've seen very often. And it removes the need for everybody to be carrying a screen on them at all times. But you're right, it just misses so many times that by the time they do start learning how to use it, it's too late. Mm. Yeah, this is just not a good show. I mean, there are bad fan service shows that I can take a lot from and still understand that they're bad shows. Like... Um, we'll talk about other shows like this at some time in the near future, but a show like High School DxD, I enjoy. And that's a bad show, but I enjoy it because they do. there's some decent action in it. Um, the main character is annoying as all hell, but at least his power is cool. Sort of. I wouldn't even go, go that far. But again, Senran Kagura just doesn't have anything take away from it it's just a bad show that there's no saving graces to this show i mean there's really not if you're super fan if you're a super fan of the video games check it out maybe okay i mean go buy it i bought it i bought it because i'm a crazy person but don't buy this i yeah no it's it's available for streaming pretty easily definitely catch this one that way did you watch it dubbed? I watched it dubbed. Did you watch it dubbed? I watched it subtitled. How was the dub? You know what? It was not the worst dub in the world. There was no mm-hmm. voice I particularly hated. No, None of the voices really seemed to be too far out of character. Like, there was no, like, great mismatch. I swear to God I've heard the narrator's voice before. Dubbing narration in a completely different show. I just cannot for the life of Brent life of me remember which one but it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't bad they got their lip sync well i mean it was a well done dub sadly okay. that also just sort of added to the forgettableness of it because all of you know you've got a bunch of teenage sounding female voices all cast to be just about the same pitch and tone you're going to yeah. You're not, you know, there's not much variety, and that is ultimately forget forgettable. There's no standout mm-hmm, performance. Mm-hmm. Like, even if somebody was giving it their all to voice the show and bring out as much personality into their character as they could, the writing is just not there for it. But it, it I didn't hate it. Um, Funimation has been good about picking up good dubs and okay. and making their own. This is a thing I've noticed a lot because I've spent a lot of time going through their catalog. The dubs for anything in the past, like, 10 to 15-ish years are, you can pretty much count on them to be good, at the very least serviceable. There are very few misses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am um, a ride-or-die sub-person only, but... I used to be... It's just a bad show, and you shouldn't watch it. If you want to go, go, if you want bad, go worse. Because this doesn't even, yeah. you know, some shows Pac-Man, some shows try to Pac-Man and completely fail at it. This one doesn't even get close to the mark because it plays it way too safe. 
because it's trying to protect a franchise and make something that is just good enough to maybe mm-hmm. sell some DVDs. Yeah. yeah. If you really, really want to watch a mediocre anime or play a mediocre video game that's just a brawler, or if you get Peach Beach Splash, which is a third-person shooter, which team-based shooter, which you want to play a bad game, <laughs> Peach Beach Splash is... Fucking awful. Oh my god. Alright, um, we're ending this podcast. This podcast is <laughs> enough. Check out the Shonen Dump Facebook group. There will be some stuff going up too. By the time you hear this, there should be a couple of episodes out. Like I said, I'm soft launching the show um, for a couple of people, but I'm going to be launching it. So you should be able to hear a couple of episodes when this is out with a couple of the different co-hosts and a couple of different series. Hopefully this turned out all right. Uh, Ruth, thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. I've all been right. itching to get back on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure having you. I just wish that we could have talked about something, I guess, worse. More interesting. Just something more interesting. We can do good, okay, we can do more worse. Interesting. Like, maybe I'll pre-screen the anime next time. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do any social network stuff? Um, anywhere anybody can follow you? You'll be able to find me in uh, in the... Let's see, where am I? What am I a part of? I'll be in the Facebook group for this show, the um, other shows that you and I have both appeared on. That's And also the Horror Movie Night, GMA and, and them. But that's mostly where I am on social media. I'm... Have, All right, no Twitter to promote or anything like that? I have a Twitter. I use it to look at other people's Twitters. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So the Facebook group, Shonen Dump, uh, just search for it. Twitter handle is Shonen Dump Pod. Feel free to check that out. Follow it. I'll be posting new episodes, links, stuff like that there. And hopefully you will be joining us for more future episodes. Absolutely. But until then, um, bid you adieu. <laughs>